Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Jeff again, one of the pastors on staff, and uh, I am I'm pleased to bring to you the uh, the final um, sermon in our First Peter Summer in the Scriptures series. Well done, those of you who studied through this text, journaled through it, memorized some of the scriptures. First Peter, uh, you know, we just can touch on it week by week, but you hopefully have been diving in. Like that's the point. That's what we want you to do during our Summer in the Scriptures, and. Um, so the truth is that uh, there's so much in this text that, that we're in chapter five now and some of the kind of the core stuff right in the middle is what I wanna preach on. And it's about the word humility. How many of you guys uh, saw the Michael, ja- Michael ja- Jackson, the Michael Jordan uh, documentary? Did you see the Michael Jordan documentary? So amazing. One of the things that blew me away about that, and I think it was either that or like an ancillary interview or conversation that I heard was somebody asked Michael Jordan, so do you think you're the greatest of all time? Do you remember that quote? Do you think you're the greatest of all time? And he goes, okay, so here's the thing. He goes, if I say no, you and I both know that that's false humility. (laughs) And if I say yes, uh, then you're going to call me uh, not a humble person. He goes, so I'm sort of stuck. Humility is one of the least understood, I think, sort of character trait and virtue for uh, words related to Christianity for us. Because we see it like that. We're like, listen, if you're Michael Jordan, is it not humble still to go, yeah, actually I am the greatest of all time, like not even close. Like, like that, is a, that might be true. So what are we going to do with that? So we've all confused in our heads, wanting to be pious, wanting to be religious, and we struggle with what, Christi- with what um, uh, uh, humility is all about. We think it's like we're supposed to say in every setting, oh no, I'm not very good at it. Oh, we're to deflect compliments. We're to, we're to be like, I'm not so uh, smart. I'm not so effective. You know that. But that's not it, friends. That's not humility. That's not what humility is about. Listen, if you miss everything else in the rest of my sermon, know this. Humility is about recognizing that we're not God. That's what humility is. It's about recognizing that we are in submission to the Lord. Technically, I'm not the Lord. All right, everybody should say that sentence right where you are. Technically, I'm not the Lord. Yeah, all right. So that's a good reminder for you, maybe a good mantra. Uh, I see, Francois and Denise, you said it. Good job, by the way. And I thought you were off delivering your kid to school, Denise. Did you, did they cancel? Did they, they canceled school or no, you did it? You did it. No, you didn't do it. Oh my God. Oh, good. It's thumbs up. All right, good. Um, people are dropping their kids off at college only to have to go pick them up a week later. That's the worst. Because, you know, as we know, college students are super smart and they're behaving really well uh, with the pandemic. So, um, so technically, I'm not the Lord. But this idea, it's about this humility. It's about then, it's about selflessness, but not for its own sake, but because Jesus can then turn that into life that he wants to give. His plan, his work, his lordship, because technically, he is the Lord. You with me on that? So let's talk about humility a little bit. And we want to look at just verses five through seven, four through seven or five through seven, something like that. Uh, Five, yeah, Uh, five through seven in first Peter chapter five. So uh, turn with me in your scriptures to that and you'll see the text there. Let's read through the whole thing together. You can see it on the screen as well. All of you, it starts, uh, who are younger, um, submit yourselves to your elders, or in the same way, you, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your, to your elders. Then the words, all of you, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but gives grace or shows favor to the humble. 
Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's the word of the Lord, friends. So first, a couple of general observations about humility from this text. First, humility toward one another, which the text talks about, and humility toward God, which the text talks about, go hand in hand with each other. Humility toward one another and humility toward God go hand in hand. We can't talk about humility and not mean both of them. Like we can't be people that are super humble before others, like submitting ourselves to them and, 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 and clothing ourselves with humility toward a person, but in actuality, not put ourselves under the lordship of the Lord. Like that, it doesn't work that way. And, and similar, and so if we think, oh no, I posture myself well with people and they don't think I'm arrogant, but I'm not submitting to God, like that's not, like that's, then, you, then that's not humility. They go hand in hand. And similarly, if we say, oh, I'm, I'm bringing myself to the Lord and giving my life to him and submitting to him, but I'm not posturing myself that way, laying down my life, dying to myself for people, then we don't have true humility. So this text mixes them up and is calling us, hey, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another and submit and, and be humble uh, uh, toward the Lord as well. They're together. The second thing, just sort of a general observation around this is that humility is not thinking less of yourself like I talked about at the beginning. It's thinking of yourself less. I don't know who coined that phrase, but I cannot imagine a better definition of humility. It's not thinking less of yourself like, oh, I'm not good. And oh, I'm, an, I'm a weasel. And oh, I'm a worm. And, and there's nothing good that lives in me and all of that stuff. Listen, God gifted you, called you, put his spirit in your heart, uh, is transforming you. Like there is a lot about you that isn't wormy and weaselly. So it's not just, oh, I, I don't think, I, don't, I, I shouldn't think well of myself. That's just a bad self-image and unhealthy and nobody wants to be around that. It's in fact, thinking about yourself less. It's about putting ourselves behind others, behind the Lordship of Jesus. The Latin for, for humility comes from the word uh, uh, um, uh, humulus, which means lowly. And, and it means of the ground, like down low. And this isn't like, oh, weaselly dirty of the earth. It's of the earth in the sense that not of heaven, that I'm not the Lord, that I'm from the earth. And so I recognize that uh, I'm, I, I remember my lack of divinity. I acknowledge my humanity and therefore my limits as I serve the God who is divine. Does that make sense? So that's what humility is all about. And so it's not, the focus is not thinking less of me for its own sake, but thinking of myself less so that I exalt Jesus and confess my need for him. I'm human, I'm of the earth and I need a savior. This is why John the Baptist said when he said of Jesus, when he saw Jesus and talked to his disciples about him, he looked at Jesus and he said, oh, he must increase and I must decrease. It's thinking less about ourselves and exalting the Lord and putting other people in front of our needs as well. So this is, uh, the, what this text is teaching. Let's look at a couple of the phrases in this text. Second half of verse uh, five talks about clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. I mean, it leads it in. I stumbled over it when I read it, but it led in with this idea of you who are younger should submit yourself to your elders. And then it goes on to say, in fact, clothe yourselves with humility 
toward one another, everyone. He used that one example for whatever reason, Peter knew that they were dealing with that because that culture in a, or the people that he was writing this to, for whatever reason, they may have had a difficulty with the younger people thinking the older people didn't have a whole lot to offer the situation. I don't know. I can never imagine that happening in our culture, that older people are sidelined and don't have and are denigrated because they're older. Like, And the young people know everything and uh, think that they do know everything. I can't imagine any of us ever feeling that at all. None of that happens here. But anyway, it was just one example of like, listen, let's, let's consider other people before us. Let's submit ourselves to elders and you all clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. This example, uh, this is an example of the fact that he's, he's gonna go on to say, look at life's gonna be better for you if you live this way, if you submit yourself to one another and clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with, with one, one another. It's our posture toward people. And that is that we love them and put them first. That's how life goes best for us, that we love people in our posture, putting them first. Paul called the Philippians to that in chapter two of Philippians. And if you, if you uh, want to race to it, I want to read it really quickly, but Philippians chapter two is a really powerful example of this. Uh, Philippians chapter two, verse five. In your relationships with one another, he said, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Now he's going to go on to talk about clothing himself ourselves with humility, but he's saying that that's going to be the same mindset as Jesus had. So he's saying, this is the pattern of Jesus. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God, something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, the Lord of the universe being made in human likeness, taking the nature of a servant. Verse eight, and being found in appearance as a man, the God of the universe found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is what Paul says to the Philippians. He's like, listen, you gotta be like Jesus. You're gonna posture yourself in such a way that you're gonna be the same mindset of Jesus, which what is that? That that Jesus said in another place, I didn't come to be be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He laid down his rights in order to put others' needs first and love them. That's our calling. That's what humility is. Man, the best example of this is when Jesus in John 13 gathered his disciples together and began to wash their feet. That's why that's just such a stark picture in our minds uh, biblically that he washed the disciples' feet. And then he said, as they did that, and they were like, remember Peter was like, ah, you can't wash my feet. Like you're the Lord. And he's like, no, I'm gonna wash your feet. And then he said, and now I've set this example for you that you might go and do likewise. Think of that image, that picture. I've got a picture here of, of that, right? Just that you would see the washing of someone's feet is such a hum- humbling experience. I mean, what does that look like if we became foot washers? What would it look like if we were having the same mindset of Jesus that we would wash one another's feet? We would have this initiative. It's this, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll give, I'll step up. I see a need. I see somebody who needs me. Like I'll be the one that does it. Jesus took the initiative. 
If we were foot washers, we would be pragmatically meeting needs. It would be love in action. We wouldn't go, oh, be warm and filled to people. We'd go, what do you need? And let me help you figure out how to make that happen. It would be meeting needs. That's what Jesus did. He took the initiative to, to, to give to us sacrificially uh, to meet our need of being separated from God. There would be an intimacy if we had that same mindset as Christ in humility. There would be this intimacy, intimate engagement with people. That's what the foot washing thing feels like. That we would be in people's lives and in their hearts and in their dreams and in their hopes and in their pain. Like we wouldn't just have superficial relationships. That's Jesus's mindset. And in the essence, nothing, nothing, and more importantly, no one would be beneath us that we would put everyone above us as their needs greater than our own. Humility is not looking to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. As Paul said, in your relationship with each other, have the same mindset of Christ. And why? Well, in our text in 1 Peter, when you flip back, the next phrase he says, because... If you clothe yourself, you better clothe yourselves with humility because that's how life works. He goes, God actually opposes the proud, but gives grace or gives favor to the humble. God opposes the opposite of humility and brings grace or favor to those who practice and clothe themselves in hospitality. Wow, this is big. So as we lay down our, that's why I called my, this sermon, humility brings the life that we long for. Because as we lay down our lives for others, like Christ, showing ourselves to be like Christ, then God shows favor to us. God gives us what we need and what we're longing for in life. When we lay down our desire to make life happen the way I want it to happen, to acquire the things that I want or think I need, when I lay that down, then God's favor and God's grace comes pouring out. And when I don't, and I grasp for it, listen, God's in opposition to living like that. God in his mercy will continue to come at us, God, you guys, when our lives are fully self-directed and self-centered and, and, and we're, we're striving to, to make our life and acquire what we want to acquire and be, you know, um, um, experience the peace that we want to experience. Like all the things when we're like, I got to do it, I'm going to need this and I'm grasping. God comes and thwarts that in his grace because he doesn't want us to fall into the trap of thinking that life comes from anywhere else but him. Come on now, church. Give me this. Give me that amen right there. He brings life. That's what it says. He'll oppose the proud and he'll bring favor to the humble, those who live humbly. This is the upside down kingdom that those who lose their life for my sake, Jesus said, what? Will find it. I saw one of you said, find it out loud. Good job, Jim Gustafson. Well done. We'll find it if we lay down our lives. Wow. So the encouragement that's, and key to the paragraph is the next verse in verse six. It says, all right, then if that's all true, then humble yourselves under God's mighty hand so that he will lift you up in due time. The previous verses are about humility toward others. And here it's really about our relationship of trusting in God. We're trusting that in our search for life, that he'll lift us up, that he'll bring life, internal life, external life, resources. He'll bring it, church, if we trust him with it. That's what the church is saying. And he'll bring it by his might and he'll bring it in his perfect timing. Come on now. That's a promise he's asking us to step into this humility 
clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Um, give yourself this posture of Christ likeness and humble yourselves under God's mighty hand and then see what happens. Oh, the freedom that comes from we do our due diligence, but we live in trust that the Lord as we walk in character will bring life and what we need. That is great. That's lordship. That's discipleship following Jesus. And again, we don't lay down our life just for the sake of being wormy or laying it down. But the fact that if we decrease, then he will increase. Oh, and what a generous God he is. He ends up closing this passage in verse seven. Like it just seems like it's in the same paragraph, but it doesn't even seem like it's connected until you stop and think about it. Look at verse seven. It goes, so he's saying, hey, lay down your life. Humble yourself. God's going to oppose the proud, but give grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand. He's, his power and strength is going to lift you up in his timing or whatever. And then verse seven, look what it says. And cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Oh man, don't miss this connection. What a segue. God's like, oh, um, through riding through, through Peter, he's like, yeah, I probably just freaked everybody out and made everybody anxious that they're gonna have to lay down their control. Go ahead, give it up, give up one hand if you're a control freak, give up two hands if you're not being fully honest, right? The truth is, man, this thing where we're like, hey, I need this, I gotta have this job, I gotta have that relationship, I need this to happen in my day, I need this resolved this way, God, that clinging to what we think is life will never bring us life. And so releasing it to God, asking him, what should I do? Should I act or not act rather than acting in compulsion and fear and anxiety? Waiting on the Lord, dying to myself that others might even be lifted up and, and trusting that God will bring what I need. And that creates so much fear and anxiety in us. And so he says in the same teaching, you humble yourself under God's mighty hand and oh, then it's gonna create so much anxiety so you can give that to God. Why? What's that last phrase? Because he, what? He cares for you. Don't think this is a little Sunday school plaque. Don't think this is a little picture on your grandma's bathroom wall. Like he cares for you with a little puppy or a little. God will take care of you. Come on now. Do you believe that? And that's where I want to leave it for us today. Do you believe that you can live a life as the same attitude of Christ, releasing control of your life to him, living in character and obedience, staying close to him and allowing him to lift you up to life in due time? Can you cast all of how anxious that makes you on him? Believing that he promises that he'll care for you. He'll take care of you. That's what this text is all about. I love it. Yep, we're out of control and it creates ang anxiousness in us. And so even while we wonder, we put ourselves in a place to say, okay, God, you care for me. So may God this week, as you walk in that truth, keep bringing to mind where it is that we instinctively and unconsciously grab onto life, manipulate situations, put ourselves not under people, but over people in order to get what we think we need in a moment, in a day, in a job, in a, right? 
that we would release that to Lord and see it happening and ask God for his transforming power in it. Oh man, I love to hear the story of testimonies that as we lay down our lives, God brings life like we never dreamt.